everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk. My name is John and with me today is Dennis and we are going to be doing another top 10 list and this time we're going to be counting down the top 10 horror films from the 1980s. So just like last time, me and Dennis will trade one apiece. If we have something that overlaps, we'll punt that conversation to the higher point on the list and then from there we'll talk about it. So, you all ready for this big boy? I am excited because this is the decade that for me defines horror it's the best decade for horror right i think we can agree okay yeah. yeah so with this list too again we prefaced it on the last list this is not top 10 of all time top mm. 10 highest rated this is our personal favorite top 10 whether it's because we think it's the best it was the scariest nostalgia value sometimes just to talk about the movie yeah sometimes just the impact it had and things like that so i Hope don't judge us too critically because this is a fun list. This yeah. is just what we like. I got some shit for not having Jaws in my top 10 last time. Well, that one I agree with all the comments. Thank you for the support, everyone. Jaws is one of the best films of all time, and the fact it wasn't even in your top 10 is disgusting. If I would have just made the list alone without you here, I probably would have put it in the top 10, in just at number 10 or 9 out of respect. But since you were here and I knew you would have it pretty high, I should have expected number one knowing your lunacy for that movie. But, you know, I figured, ah, he'll talk about it. Let me talk about something that's probably a better movie, in my opinion. All right. <laughs> well, anyway. So do you want to start at number... Oh, I had one little rule for this for myself personally. You didn't have to make this rule. But I put only one movie from a franchise on here so that we could talk about a little bit more. That is funny, actually. I had the same mental rule as well. Because okay. obviously, you know, it's like there's nightmares and Fridays and Halloween. And I didn't want to be like, well, I liked Friday, you know, one, part two, part three. Yeah, like, the, I, all the big ones came out in the 80s, yeah, so, so it's like you could have picked, I picked my favorite from each franchise. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, I agree 100%. I didn't want, because otherwise this list is just going to be like 10 Friday 13th films. Yeah, you can end up with that. a lot. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I wanted to talk about some movies that don't really get the recognition from the 80s. Yeah. So why don't you go first? Tell all me right. your number 10. My number 10, um, I guess it's kind of a horror movie, sort of, not really. Is Gremlins? Ah, I don't have it on my list, but that was a hard cut, and I do, and I consider it a horror movie. That's a okay, great choice. Good. First time I ever watched Gremlins was with you. I, you probably don't remember that though. Well, I mean, I was probably like four. You were so, very young. Yeah. You and Cody, I think, had just seen it, his brother Cody, yeah. and you guys brought it to our grandparents' house, and you showed it to us, me All and right. Ryan, and that was the first time I ever nice, saw it. Nice, yeah. So, you know. Shout out, Cody. Um, you suck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I think this movie is just a good time, um, and the more I learned about as I like got older, the funnier it got to me because it was actually supposed to be really, really terrifying. That there's a scene in it, spoilers if you haven't seen it, where the actual gremlins like kill one of the moms. And I think they said that it was originally supposed to be gory, like they ripped her head off, and like it was supposed to be super violent, super gory, and like really, really scary slasher kind of film. But then as they started to do it, I don't remember who, but either the studio or whoever it was, was like, no, 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 this. Let's tone it back a little bit. So it kind of became like a horror comedy, I guess, because the gremlins are hilarious the whole time. Oh, my God, they're hysterical. And I think the reason is, too, because, to be clear, this movie was directed by Joe Dante, but it's produced by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So it's got to have that Spielberg magic. And I don't know if you noticed while watching the movie, but it's filmed on the same exact location and lot, the back lot at Universal, as Back to the Future. They just put snow over the town square. Oh, I didn't notice same that. Same town square. Look for the clock. Wow. This is heavy. Same buildings, yeah, it's oh, crazy. That's so that's pretty cool. They reused it. It's just because it's on the Universal backlot. Yeah. So like you know, they were trying to make a family-friendly horror movie, basically. Yeah. But it works, man. I, I love the, the once the Gremlins are taking over the town. That movie is just firing on all cylinders. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, I also love Gizmo. You know, the Mogwai in the beginning, super cute. And Mogwai. It, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Like 
they, I just, I think it's just a really good time. It's not super scary, obviously, you know, you're not going to watch it and have nightmares about it, but it made my top 10 because of the nostalgia of it and because it, the rewatchability. I think this film is just a great time start to finish, but you're right. The second half of the film, once the gremlins have been birthed yeah, and they just wreak havoc on the town, it's it's just a great time and a fantastic. Who watch. doesn't get a laugh out of the old lady going up on that chair and just going <laughs> out the window? That's just the classic scene. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I made my number ten because even though it's not super scary, it's still technically horror. And I just think anyone who hasn't seen it should, and anyone who has should rewatch it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's a Christmas horror movie. You don't get many of those. So yeah. That's a really, that would be in my 11 to 15 range. Okay. So I actually okay. went back and forth on my number 10. I had a hard time. I was either going to pick Dead Ringers or my number 10, which is Stepfather. Have you ever seen this movie? This is interesting. So it's not in my list, but I just, and not even, we didn't talk about these lists. These are all surprise entries. We did not discuss beforehand. I literally just watched the original Stepfather two days ago. Just really? because I saw it on Peacock and I was like, I've never seen this film. Let me check it out. It's great. It really was. Yeah. yeah. I love that movie. I love the guy's confusion about forgetting where he is. He's like, where am I in this one? Like, Wait a minute. Who am I here? Like he is, he runs the same routine over and over. Basically, he inserts himself into a family, and then once they just start pissing him off, that's really it. He's just getting really annoyed with him. He's like, "All right, I'm done," and he just starts killing him. And then from, and then he moves on to the next family. And uh, it's played from the guy uh, who plays John Locke on the show Lost, actually. And I've never seen him do anything younger, okay. but he does a good performance. It's actually kind of well shot. There's like some like hazy shots in the movie. Yeah. It. So I, I really like this one. I really think it's an underrated one, and it also has a remake. I think Eli. Roth might have even directed it. Yeah, the remake I've seen, um, and the remake's not bad, but the original, I think, was better. I don't know why. There's just something more menacing about it, I guess. I think the 80s just has... It might just be the nostalgia glasses. Yeah. The 80s, the way things were shot, the way the acting was, I just have a really soft spot in my heart for that. So I do think that the original is better. And that part you're talking about is the standout part to me when he's on the phone and he says, like, oh, this is so-and-so, and it's the wrong name. And his wife is like... Got the name wrong. Hodgkins, what's to get wrong? Who? Yeah. And he, that moment, he's like, yeah. "Who am I when I'm here?" Yeah. And, and then he's she, done this so many times that he's starting to have, like, people, you know, get forgetful. But this guy's getting forgetful about what life he's leading. <laughs> yep. You know, it's crazy. I, yeah. I really love this movie. So that's my number ten. That's a solid choice. I like oh, it. Thank I you. Okay. My number nine, I have a feeling will probably be higher for you. And again, this is, it's really tricky because the 80s are great and you may think this is better uh, than some of the ones I list higher. It's a fantastic film. It is The Thing. The Thing is way higher. So yes, that's a punt. Okay. So then my number nine, um, again, this I had to choose between one film in this franchise. And I picked, I went with my heart and I went with the original Evil Dead film. Is that oh, one? Oh, interesting. No, so that would have been in like my 11 slot. Okay. So we can talk about it. Didn't make my list. All right. Yeah. I love the original. I know more people probably prefer the second one because that's really where Sam Raimi and uh, what the fuck is his name right off the top? You know his name? The uh, actor. The actor. Uh, I can't remember Bruce his name. Bruce Campbell. Yes. Right. It's Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, like in the original film, like it's much more of a straightforward horror film than it's a horror comedy with Evil yeah. Dead 2 and then Army of Darkness is just a comedy. Yeah. But uh, this one, like it really, I just love the feeling of the dead woods, a cabin in the woods mm -hmm. and you can't escape and the woods won't let you escape. And I just love that. Also, the practical effects, mm -hmm. like they're, they're cheesy, but I yeah. fucking love them. <laughs> like, yeah, I really do. <laughs> I prefer the effects of the original Evil Dead over any 
of the sequels, remakes, or sequels to remakes, anything. I prefer it in the original one. Knocked it out of the park. It's also really funny to me that they don't call him Ash. They call him Ashley in this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I was just going to say, I just remembered it's Ash because it's Ash versus Evil Dead and all that stuff. And yeah. I do agree with you. I think that the practical effects, and this is again the nostalgia glasses in the 80s, and I just, everything about it is great. Uh, I think the effects, although they are a little campy and corny and stuff, I, I think you're right. They are, they hit it perfectly. And this film is one of those, I feel like there's a lot of the kind of cabin in the woods tropes oh yeah and there's a lot of films that go with that this is one of those ones that the setting is perfectly done i think it really captures kind of the overall spooky essence of being in the woods and not having any neighbors nearby or anything like that there's nothing around they're in the woods alone yeah and when you open up the book of the dead well bad things happen including getting raped by a tree which well, is <laughs> yeah i mean I, that's a little hard to to get over i mean hey you know what it's mother nature getting her revenge because what have people done for her exactly and she's like you know what just gonna start raping that's and then it. <laughs> she's like, that's it. she saw her first victim and she's like that's it she's yeah. going in yeah i so. mean <laughs> I, I agree though good film just like i said just missed the cut for me only because i've only ever seen it like two, three times. I don't go back to it a ton, but I do have a lot of respect for what it's set up and how it's kind of, again, like, inspired a lot moving forward. Oh, yeah, no. Let's put Sam Raimi on the map. Without yeah. this movie, wouldn't even have the Spider-Man movies, which people absolutely love. There you go. All right, so uh, that brings us to my number eight. Your number eight. Which is one that really is on here because I remember it genuinely scaring me. Ooh. And that is Children of the Corn. Ah, didn't make my list. That would fall in my 11 to like 15 area as well. Okay. This is a good one though, so go for it. Yeah, no, I just remember so many things about this film being so scary to me. Um, the main <laughs> kid. Oh my God. He is... Not a kid, by the way. You really? Know that? Yeah. No. No, the main kid is not a kid. That's why he acts so well. It's an adult, kind of like if you guys remember Andy Milanakis. Oh, yeah. That yeah, kind yeah. of disease where they like basically look and sound like a kid forever. Okay. So this guy was actually like in his like 20s or 30s or something like that. Wow, that explains why he was so good because, yeah, as like the leader of this cult, he is terrifying. Oh my God, petrifying. A whore, yeah. And the setting too. It's so funny because, you know, like Children of the Corn, it seems like, oh, you're in a corn maze. That's stupid. But the setting makes it that much scarier. It, it really amps everything up. This small kind of abandoned like town. And it's just like... Run by kids, no less. Yeah. It's so crazy. And, and that's, I think, the thing that makes it so scary is in every other horror film, with the exception of like Omen and stuff, kids are usually the innocent ones. You know, it's in Friday the 13th when the kids are at the camp, Jason doesn't kill the kids. It's always, the little kids are always safe. But in this one, the little kids are actually the source of all evil. Yep, they're the reason. And like, they, exactly, there's no redeeming qualities to them. They're out there hunting. Also love Linda Hamilton's in this, same year as the Terminator. So you yeah. get Linda Hamilton's 80s hair, which adds like three or four inches to her about. <laughs> <laughs> I love her, but yeah, it's fine. Well, that's probably her best career year, 84. Children of the Court and the Terminator. Yeah. I mean, she does a good enough job in this. You can see she's still getting her footing. Yeah, I mean, I think she did a good job. I think, honestly, that the kids stole the show oh, on this 100%, one for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just remember being scared of everything thing uh, that goes on in the film and uh, you know again acting it's the 80s so acting might not be super great we're also talking about horror which we always talk about you know yeah. no one's winning any awards for their jobs in horror um, for the most part no there's some out there that some people should have won but no yeah so I just think overall scary film there have been a lot of sequels and remakes and reimagining remake stuff last and, year did you see it no I didn't watch it either did I honestly I, I can't it's so 
I am usually all for remakes, but sometimes I just like the original so much I can't bring myself it to do it. It does taint it sometimes. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so this is one that I've seen the original. I have not seen any other ones since. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank so you. that brings me to my number eight, which I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but it's called Manhunter. I have not. Okay, well, this one was directed by Michael Mann, which is weird that it's called Manhunter. Interesting. The same guy who directed Heat and Collateral. Yeah. Uh, so this came out in the late 80s. It is actually based on the same book as the movie Red Dragon. Oh. So this is the first on-screen appearance of Hannibal Lecter, but not played by Anthony Hopkins. Ooh. Played by Brian Cox, though. Okay. And he does a great job. Glad you came. My callers are mostly clinical psychologists from Cornfield University. So it also stars William Peterson, the lead role. Many people know from CSI. Okay. So he does a great job. And it's just, you know what? It's very, very, very 80s. I'm talking like Miami, which is weird because Michael Mann made Miami Vice. Yeah. So it looks like Miami Vice. So it's got a lot of 80s stuff. And okay. I eat that shit up. Yeah. So on top of that, but some of that 80s stuff might take other people out. It adds it to me. So okay. it adds it for me. But if you've seen Red Dragon, it's the same movie. Interesting. So I have seen Red Dragon because I read the books. Yeah. Red Dragon, Science of the Lambs, Hannibal, all that stuff. But I have never even heard of Man Eater. Man Hunter. Hunter. So it, it's actually... <laughs> man Eater because... That's a song. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Hannibal She's eats a, men. Yeah, that's true. So, so it's just funny that because just like in Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter is a supporting part in this movie where he's chasing a different serial killer, this time the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. So I, I, I like this one. I personally prefer it way more than the movie Red Dragon. So I, I think if you're going to watch a Red Dragon story, I say watch Man Hunter. It's a much better movie. Obviously, no connections to yeah. Anthony Hopkins and Silence of the Lambs and yeah. Jonathan Demme, but still, on its own, Manhunter's great. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Okay. That brings uh, me to my number seven. Siete. Um, which is Christine. Christine didn't make my top ten because I had to pick one other uh, John Carpenter movie. And oh. But Christine, I don't know if it would have made my top ten, to be honest. I love Christine, so talk about it. So, again, it's a nostalgia thing. It's one of those, is it scary? No. Is it ridiculous? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's just silly. You know, a car is killing people. The car falls in love with its owner, kind of thing. And it changes the personality of the owner, which I absolutely love that part. Yeah, which, I mean, it's kind of funny because if you think about it, it you know, the older you get, the more mature you get, the more you see kind of little threads throughout and like what they mean. And it, it is like a materialistic thing. You know, this kid is a really nice kind of nerdy kid but you know he's the typical he's 80s nerd he's innocent he yeah. cares about everyone he just wants to be like then he gets a really cool car and then he's you know hair greased back and leather jacket and he's like treating women like shit and he just doesn't care he thinks he's hot shit so it's like you know people when they get money or they get something materialistic items they think they're cooler than everyone and that's really what this is about only difference is this item that makes him cool is also murdering people yes which, I mean, the scene of the car reversing. Well, they, they did it in reverse, but they're yeah. actually coming back together. Show me. It's one of the best scenes of the 1980s. And not to yeah. mention that John Carpenter's score is oh. perfect for Christine. Again, he, he nails it. I, I we ha Actually, I texted John and asked him about, you know, is Wes Craven the best horror director of all time? And you had said to me... I put him at number two. Because of John Carpenter. John Carpenter will always be number one. Now, it, I was going through it, and it's hard. It really is a lot closer, because I was thinking about it, because Wes Craven, it, 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 we were talking about it last week, how Wes Craven just always was reinventing himself. And yeah. he had movies coming out through the 2000s. And I always forget that he also directed 
directed Red Eye in the 2000s, which is a fan all Scream movies, Scream 1 through 4. So he had his own. It's just John Carpenter had so many as well. Yeah. And, you know, you could just, and he, I feel like he had a lot more of a deeper meaning to a lot of his movies, especially like They Live, which didn't make my top 10 as well, but that, I, because I kind of feel like that's more of a little less horror. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think killed it on, on Christine. And again, it's the soft spot in my heart for the effects and everything they did in the 80s because I'm not a big AI guy. I'm not a big, you know, CGI and computer oh, generator, all that. I'm not into it. So, like you said, the car, the fact that they... It sounds so silly, but the fact that they crushed it mm. and then all they did was play it in reverse so yeah. it looks like it's come back to life. It's ingenious. Mm -hmm. It looks really cool. There's also the scene after Christine crashes and kills everyone at the gas station and then drives away on fire. Yeah. It's oh. so cool. And for all you video game fans out there, I was playing GTA last year, I think, around Halloween, and they put little Easter eggs in the map for GTA. And one of them, I was walking down the street, and a car, a Christine car on fire, ran me over and killed me. Really? They literally put Christine in the game and it would randomly spawn and try to run you over. That's so awesome. It was really GTA cool. does love to do things like that. Like, there's a point in the map in GTA where at a certain time of the day, if you've ever seen the movie Thelma and Louise, yeah. spoiler for that, but when they drive off the cliff at the end, you can go to that a point in the desert and then two women in a car drive their car off the end of the... Uh, off the end of, uh, yeah, and then it blows up. So. <laughs> it's those Easter eggs um, that Don't, I love. Yeah, me too. Those little scenes. I yeah. I, I agree, hundred percent. But yeah, so that's why Christine made it because it's just—it's so memorable. It might not be scary, but it's got a lot of really memorable scenes in it. Oh yeah, no, that's a good choice. Which brings me to my number seven. Uh, I don't know if you'd have this on your list. Return of the Living Dead. The Return of the Living Dead. I don't. Okay, this yeah. is my favorite zombie film okay. of all time. All right. Or even over Dawn of the Dead, which I also really love. And it's because it is just so cheesy. It is like very over the top 80s cheese. Really simple story. Guy gets a job working at a, a factory that basically takes like cadavers. And what happens if one of those cadavers comes back to life and then starts bringing all the other ones back to life and now they're stuck in a cemetery with a bunch of different zombies. And just come, and I mean the effects are hysterical. They get on the microphone, they call the other cops and they're like, <laughs> and then they all come and like you know they just want to eat brains yeah and that's the whole thing and then like the one zombies like uh, you know like saying how it's pain but the brains like kind of help them but to be yeah. dead like that it's painful oh just such a great movie with a fantastic ending have you ever seen it i so honestly i have not because zombies not a big thing oh me, me neither yeah uh, i've never been not never got really into the walking dead i probably only like a handful of zombie movies yeah not my thing either but this one and it's, it's really just because of the 80s cheese factor like all his friends are hanging out in the cemetery that day like they were bored so what they do they're like ah, let's go drink in the cemetery why not why not they don't expect anyone to be coming back to life and killing them <laughs> so <laughs> it's just from an entertainment standpoint it's just so much fun all right, I'll have to, that's two from your list. I'll have to check out. I think you'll love it. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Um, which brings us to my number six, which is The Shining. Okay, that's a little bit of a punt. Okay. Slight, slight punt. All right, so your number six? Friday the 13th, Jason Lives. That, okay, so this... Do you have a Friday the 13th? I do. So we'll punt it till we get okay, there. Okay, so it's a punt. Okay, yeah. Okay, very good. So my number five, and this one is... I remember it so vividly and being so scared, and we briefly talked about this movie a while ago, and it is Cujo. Oh, uh, you did bring this up recently. Just came to 4K. Didn't make my top 10 list, but 
Yes, no, Cujo is great. Yeah, and it's ironic because right around when I first saw this film, my family had a St. Bernard. Yes, they did. Blaze. Blaze, that is correct. I've, but I've always said that's what the thing about Cujo that takes me out of the movie because I, outside of St. Bernard, I knew you're St. Bernard. Yeah. St. Bernard's, from my understanding, are some of the dumbest dogs and also some of the sweetest dogs. Yeah. I cannot, I mean, given the dog does get rabies in Cujo, yeah. but I just cannot imagine a St. Bernard doing this. <laughs> I know, I agree. And it's funny because, you know, you could have gone, gone the Beethoven route for St. Bernard movie, but yeah. we went Cujo. <laughs> and uh, it's just scary. I, I I think one of the things is for me, there's like two big bugaboos in films that make me really uncomfortable and turn away, and that is any sort of like rape and sexual assault and dogs or animals really at all getting killed. So this one covers the dog thing because he's killing people, but it's uncomfortable because you're kind of just waiting for the moment when they have to put the dog down. It's gonna happen. You know it's coming, and that's what almost makes it worse, is like, you know, the dog is killing people and stuff, and you're like, oh my god, no way. But you know that the dog's gonna die, and it sounds so bad to think like, oh, he's killing people, it's alright, but then the dog's gonna die and you're sad, but that's really what gets me. Yeah, that's the thing that scares you the most, huh, is the dog events. I'm like yeah. that too with dogs. I hate watching dogs die in movies. It, it's As a dog lover, it's very hard you know I, I'm very okay with people dying then to a lesser extent kids and then way below that dogs yeah <laughs> uh, dogs dogs dying is is no good for me but there are so many scenes the one scene I always remember is I think it's towards the end when the woman is trapped in the car and Cujo is just slamming into the window there's just the slobber the drool everywhere the blood on its face and the paws scratching the window and everything it's a, a really really good film it might not terrify anyone. You know, a lot of these 80s films, the thing is, they're not like scary, scary, where you're going to have nightmares. But there are some things that happen that you're, you're going to be like, oh, okay. And maybe like almost close one eye because you don't really want to look at it. Oh, I get that. And I believe me, I felt that same way. And it's awesome, too, because it's, I think it's a year before E.T. and Dee Wallace is the lead in it. Okay. So she's a mother in this, too. The kid, I mean, is really holding her back and really finishing the which is a yeah. shame. But you know what? She's got to yeah. be a good mom. Yep. She's got to be a good mom. That yeah. was a good choice, though. That was your number six? That was my number five. Five. Well, five. my number five might be a punt for you. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a punt, yeah. Okay. So then what's your number uh, four, right? My number four is Poltergeist. Ooh, that's a punt. Okay. My number four, we, you just had this, this is what I mean with the short punt, uh, The Shining. All right, let's let's talk about it. And this felt a little low for me, but I had to go with my heart. Yeah. But The Shining is an all-time classic horror film. Agreed. Building Dread, Jack Nicholson, Stanley Kubrick. I mean, you just could not go wrong with this movie. Uh, it's never scared me, though. Is that weird? No, I mean, that's the thing about a lot of these films, like I just said. I don't know that any of them really are, like, nightmare fuel. Mm -mm. I think a lot of them are just kind of eerie. Yeah, but this is really, like, a guy who, like, it's an allegory for an abusive husband and father, but, like, you know, he's just really starting to lose it, and the only people who are ever really in danger are his wife and son. Yeah. And you're petrified for them, because where are you going? There's yeah. No, you know, there's the snow outside, there's almost no way to leave. You know, you have that fucking thing that drives in the snow but it's not reliable and then later in the movie he uh, ends up you know just fucking it up anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree so this um, is your four it yeah. was my six so we're pretty close I put it in the top five because I think it is one of the all-time I, I don't want to say like the best or the greatest but it's like the most one of the most influential and well made right yeah. like it doesn't have because this is what we we're talking about where you're talking about 80s actors and like you know like oh you know no one's gonna win an award Jack Nicholson could win an award for yes. this movie a hundred percent you didn't let me finish my sentence I said I'm not gonna hurt you I'm just gonna bash your brains. 
And so. he, even his wife, too. Yeah. I, she, I mean, there are all the constantly videos, she, documentaries about Shelley it. Duvall. Yeah, and she talks about how horrible Stanley Kubrick was to her, her and, yeah. like, making her reshoot the scene. 80 where, times. Yeah, yeah, the one she backing up the stairs and the, reshot it so many. And she was exhausted and hadn't eaten. And it is, I think that's the thing. It's not scary, but it's almost more uncomfortable because they set up, like, the dread, like you said. It's the feeling of dread and like, are they gonna be able to get out of this? It's not, oh my God, I should close my eyes. You're like, you're just uncomfortable throughout it. And I think like- Only you, two people die in this movie. Yeah. And once at the very end and another only one. So if you're going into this thing, oh, it's a slasher, bloody, no, it's not. It's really just a, a mystery thriller in a lot of ways and just building up dread and you know, good score as well to help with that. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, like you said, it's shot really, really well. The acting in this, that's the big difference between the other 80s, like you said. The acting is fantastic. Everyone knows the role. They play it great. There's some creepy stuff, you know, the twins in the hallway. Yeah. Pretty creepy. Play with us, Danny. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play with them. No, no <laughs> shot. No shot. But my favorite scene in this movie, and it's not even a horror scene, but I just love Jack Nicholson walking through that gold ballroom, going to the bar, yep. and ordering a drink, and just sitting there and just talking to the bartender. I, the First of all, the lighting in that, I, that's my favorite scene in the movie. It's not, And yeah. it's really just Jack Nicholson showing off that he can act. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing is the acting really holds it together, and the cinematography is again it's it's world yeah, class. It's, yeah. yeah, it's really really well done, and it's in the top five again for you. Um, for that reason, it's in my six again, pretty high up for that reason. But it does it almost has that kind of 70s horror feel where if you remember when we talked about 70s horror I mean, a lot of them are slow yeah and it's just this is 1980 so we're yeah. just it's got a little bit of a 70s hangover to it for sure yeah so it's that slow build and i i'm more like fast paced like let's get to the action kind of thing oh me too i i don't like that's one thing about the 70s like i love the 70s but for the for a lot of the 70s and a lot of 70s movies you feel it watching it like, you should have just cut here. We don't need to see this entire yeah. car ride. Like, two seconds, cut it, we get the gist of it, they're driving somewhere. I yeah. don't need the whole seven minute car ride there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, 100% Watch them adjust the radio once. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then have no score playing in the back. <laughs> no, you're just hearing the wind over the car. Or yeah. Probably not even that, because it was, you know, a set car, so they're just doing this. Yeah, and you're just like, hmm. Really good artistic choices here. Thank God by the 80s, I mean, given the 80s went full blow the other direction, which yeah. was the cocaine. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I love that, so I'm not apologetic about it at all. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Agreed. But again, great film. I definitely understand why it's up here in your top five. All right. I guess now we're up to your number three, right? Yeah. My number three is one that we punted before, and that is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah, I had a feeling this is where it was. So yes, yes. this is a fantastic movie. Explain why it's higher on your list, though. Uh, it's higher on my list because, I mean, slashers are really my favorite genre of horror mm -hmm. and so the michaels the freddies the J all that stuff i mean even the lesser known ones i love all the campy cheesy slumber party massacre ones. yeah <laughs> sleepaway camp slumber party massacre we talked about black christmas and all those i love those kind of films uh this one is high up here i mean one west craven mm -hmm. so he's a god amongst men yes i agree uh and you know, Freddy's an iconic character. It's got some really iconic shots and scares and... Please, God. This is God. Freddy's joking and it's just, he was very unique for the time, you know, because all the other slashers were just kind of maniacs, right? Yeah. Or like halfwits like Jason. No one really talked or oh, anything. Oh, he's not an idiot, Freddy. No, he's very smart 
and he he loves to scare people and yes is it ridiculous of course some of the things you look back like the scene where his arms are really long in the alleyway yeah it looks ridiculous right now but that was all done practically yes which is another reason it's so high again practical effects i will always favor no matter how cheesy they look i give them credit for what they accomplished with practical over any sort of CGI stuff. Yeah, I watched the uh, movies that made us documentary, and I watched three watches actually two days ago. Okay, and it's just crazy what they had to do, like setting up the wall for him to go through that. Like it's just basically like a sheet, and he just goes through that. You know, flipping the set upside down for Johnny yeah. Depp's blood, and like how they're explaining, like uh, the set's starting to get away from us on that. Like it's just all that stuff fascinates yeah. me. You know, now that would all just be CGI, and I feel like yeah, I get that it was probably harder to do, and maybe these guys are stressed on set, but like you made magic out of it. Like, yeah. You, you just can't replace those that's that blood shooting at that made me a fan of horror that's still like one of the top three most iconic horror scenes for me i mean maybe not for everybody else but i still remember the first time i saw that and the amount of blood that came out yeah i was like holy shit and, and i i mean think about it this way you look back at that and this came out in 84 right mm -hmm. they did that practical effects that aged better than most cgi from like the early 2000s when 100%. people really started getting into it now you look like we did the Spawn video a while ago. That CGI was terrible. If Atrocious, they, and it doesn't hold up at all. If they just took like 10 guys and dressed them up, it would have been better than having 100,000 of those CGI things in hell. Some practical effects don't hold up over time, but there are a lot that do, like that room turning it upside down, the blood pouring out. That looks so much better than 90% of the early 2000s effects. I 100% agree, and it's the movie that made New Line Cinema. You yeah. Know, basically, everybody, like, uh, what's his name, Robert Shaw put all of his money, Robert Shea put all of his money into this one movie, mm -hmm. and it worked. Started yeah. a franchise. I mean, the sequels, very hit or miss. We're going to do a video one day about them, because we have a lot to discuss about those. Yeah. And we, yeah. we feel very similar. So well, that was your number three, and that was my number five. Yep. So that's a classic. And my number three is the best Halloween film in the franchise. Franchise. Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Where's this on your list? <laughs> you I assume number one. Yeah, you want to know where this is on my list? It's in the garbage at the street right now. So you can talk about this. I'm going to sit here pissed off. Okay, well, go for it. So this movie stars Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins' mustache. And this guy is just slaying women all over town, first of all. You know, he's got his ex-wife who absolutely hates him. You can see why, you know, he's hitting on the nurse, then he's, you know, shacking up with a very young girl, drinking beer with her. Uh, but the movie really is just so much fun for me. It really captures the season of Halloween, and I think that's what really draws me to it. Also, the fantastic score. Uh, the story, yeah, I get that why you might think it's a little stupid. It's very, actually, a little over uh, convoluted to explain, basically. Uh, every, I don't, they never even say it, you know, we gotta make sacrifices to these witches, and, you know, we take some pieces of Stonehenge, put them in some masks, all the people wearing the mask at a certain time of day, eventually some bugs and, uh, snakes will eat their heads. <laughs> so basically, that's the movie. That journey there is just so great, I really enjoy it. Is there some silly, stupid moments? Yes, but this is 80s cheese at its finest. What's a really classy cheese, Dad? It's like a brie? This is like a nice brie, like in my a opinion. Brie. <laughs> oh, this guy and his brie. This is like a craft single. All right. <laughs> Don't you dare. Craft singles are horrible. All right. That's Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think the reason this film for me is so frustrating is I understand that they were thinking at the time that they would keep the Halloween title and just make different, almost like American Horror Story. That was the design. 
line from John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. It was the problem was the fans of the time could not let Michael go, and they associated the whole franchise with Michael. And instead of sticking to their guns, they brought him back, and then now this movie just... And they should have just been called Season of the Witch, because yeah. calling it Halloween 3 is actually frustrating even to me, because i got to fight with people like Dennis, who disagree that it's the best Halloween movie, even if it's better than every single Halloween film. But if it was on its own, I don't think we'd be even having this conversation. And I will, I will admit that that, I think, is 90% of my problem. If they just said this movie was called Season of the Witch, mm-hmm. totally different conversation. But Hold you on. literally take it and you say that this is part of the Halloween lineup. Mm-hmm. It is Unless the other way it would have worked, again, is if Halloween 4 was about some demon who was possessing children and Halloween 5 was about you know zombies if they really continue that could, trend yeah but they just I feel like a lot of it is of the time it's the early 80s and people yeah. you know like we were talking I think uh, about our in our Friday the 13th video people couldn't watch it at home yeah so they don't really so when they see the name Halloween there's two movies now if it was just Halloween and then this was the second Halloween maybe you could have pitched it a little bit different yeah. but I remember specifically renting this from Blockbuster and getting halfway through the movie and I'm being like you know they haven't brought up Michael yet <laughs> and I didn't like it yeah. it wasn't until I became an adult and revisited because of the Halloween name and I was like nah everyone's wrong this movie is a fucking classic and I just said they named it wrong that's yeah. the issue with this movie If it, I, I agree they really shouldn't have done what they did yeah if they went back and scrubbed it from the Halloween lineup mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it would be... I don't know that it would be in my top ten, but I wouldn't be so angry at you right now. I know. I get that. I get that. I mean, it, it's a frustration to me because I have to ha- always have this conversation. And it, it, if it was just Season of the Witch, I'm just defending a regular old 80s movie that exactly. you know, some people like and some people don't. But because it's Halloween, we have to talk about it when we talk about every other Halloween movie. Yes. So that's the issue. Yep. <laughs> Still great, though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings us to my number two. Ooh. Um, so this list was a little different. Um, I still stand by this, though. This is a great film, and that is Pet Cemetery. Ah, Pet Cemetery is a great movie. Uh, it but didn't, didn't make, make your list. Didn't make my top ten. <laughs> but uh, it is a great fucking movie. I, I have to. I, I agree. But you talk about it since it's this high on your list. You're I just, a big Stephen King guy, huh? You know, I'm, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's three adaptations on your list. Christine, Pet Cemetery, and Children of the Corn. Yeah. Oh, and The Coo- Shining. Yeah. And Cujo. And Coo- yeah. No, so he uh, he killed it in the 80s, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, movies were... I, listen, I just love his brand. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. I guess of horror. I don't know why. <laughs> um, because also when we talk later, it uh, comes up. Yeah, in the 90s? Yeah. I mean, I just... I think that all the stuff he does, he's just a really good storyteller. Oh, he's a great story. I mean, that's what he's known for. Yeah. I mean, he's directed one movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Maximum Overdrive? No. It's... uh. Uh, it's very stupid. He actually said that he doesn't remember making it. He was so high on cocaine the whole time. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. Oh, but uh, he doesn't remember, but I think he made a great movie. Again, love the cocaine 80s. So yeah. he was high on cocaine, and that movie came out. I'm happy with it. It's yeah. fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, i never seen that. But... Well, you're an ACDC guy, so you might like it just for the soundtrack. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. But uh, this one made it just... There's so many things in this film that I remember. I mean, the very beginning, spoilers if you haven't seen it, with the little kid running out into the street and getting oh, just destroyed God. by... What was the, the name? Gage? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. I always liked the name. Um, and then when the little kid comes back and everyone... I, if I ever mention Pet Cemetery, their go-to is when he cuts the guy's the, the Achilles, Achilles tendon. tendon. Oh, that's the thing that always stands out to me in this yep, movie. Yep. Or Fred Gwynn, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just, again, without spoiling too much, 
This is just... You can spoil what you want. I put a spoiler's logo at the beginning of this to make sure that... Oh, uh, spoilers, or spoiler, whatever way it goes. Ooh. I don't know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be the wrong way. Yeah. But it just... I mean, obviously, you know, the premise is that they're near this old Indian burial ground, and, like, I think the cat dies. Mm, the cat and, dies first. Yeah, and they're yeah. super upset, and they're like, oh, you can bury the cat in the cemetery, and it'll come back to life. And they do. The cat comes back, but then the cat's a real bitch. Oh, yeah. And it's just, Asshole. like, yeah, scratching everyone and hissing and all that. And then, obviously, the kid dies, and the mm. kid's like, what, two? Like, it's Very a, young. He's super Two or young. three. And that's why I'm always confused at how they actually got the shots that they got. Yeah. I've never watched the make it up on this, but it is impressive because he looks scary and menacing. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, they probably used some sort of practical effects for the Achilles tendon scene. Yeah. I assume that's a fake foot. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really did it. They went all out. They were like, dude, we're really going to... Fred Wynn was that committed at yep. his old age. He knew. <laughs> he, he was like, this might be my last ride. Let's go. <laughs> a couple more years. My cousin Vinny was his last go. Uh, there you go. All right. uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, then the kid dies and they're all so distraught about it. They bury him in the cemetery and come and he comes back and obviously they're struggling because he comes back and he's not their kid. He's, know. you know, possessed and he's... The dad should say dad. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it just, mm -hmm. it, it becomes, a, you know, a movie about, I guess, loss and, you know, having grief. to... And grief yeah. and, you know, struggling through that and I, it's just, it's shot really well. It's The acting is really well done. And it's just, I think of all of, I mean, obviously we said Stephen King is on my list everywhere. I think this is the best of the Stephen King films. I hope so. It's your number two, so I mean, it's pretty high. <laughs> and my number two is a punt from earlier from you, and that is The Thing. Okay, uh, wow, that was my nine. Yeah, this is actually my favorite John Carpenter movie, even okay. over Halloween. I, I think this movie is just a flat-out, all-out masterpiece. I love it from the very beginning with the dog running in the snow and them shooting at it, then them blowing up the helicopter, and then just wondering, who is the thing? What is yeah. the thing? Like, you watch this movie every time, you're like, is he the thing at this moment? Is he at this moment? And then the practical effects are just outstanding in yeah. this movie. This is a perfect example of practical effects still holding up, combining it with the great John Carpenter score. And I'm also a sucker for a movie set in the snow. Okay. So, you know, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, just watching somebody all bundled up, like Kurt Russell in this movie, and drinking a glass of whiskey in the snow, I'm like, I wish I was there right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it looks horrible, but I just, that's the perfect setting for me. <laughs> You're a big setting guy. I'm seeing you like the winter, and all these movies we talk about, you say if the fall setting is right. Yeah. You're. I think the setting it. is a huge part of a movie in production design. Yeah. I really, like, that's the things I, cinematography, those are the big things for me. Like, you have to have that. Plus good acting. But yeah. if a movie looks like shit, it really will take me out of the movie completely. Yeah. That's why I get so frustrated with the modern CGI, man. Like, I look in the background, I'm like, I know you're in front of a green screen. Yeah. I just, I, it takes me out. It doesn't do that for everybody, but it does for me. I have to be honest about that. Yeah, no, if it's noticeable, I get it. And yeah. this film is on my top ten. And listen, it's my number nine, but it could easily be higher. And it's for two reasons. John Carpenter and Kurt fucking Russell. Love Kurt Russell. I man. love Kurt Russell. I That's a movie for when we get to our 2000s list. I have to finally listen to you and watch Bone Tomahawk. Because you've been talking to me about that for only like eight years. Yeah, <laughs> only eight. It's not that big. I think it yeah. came out in 2015, so I think you've been talking about it since it came out. Yeah, it, it's a... It's a doozy. And I can't wait to see it. So I, we, I, just, I have to watch that before we do our 2000 list. Yes. I won't accept myself if I won't. And I'm curious if it makes your 10. Anywhere um, in there. I'm a big Western guy, so okay. a Western set with horror right. should be up my alley. All right, good, good. No, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it, but 
I, Kurt Russell just, I don't think he's ever made a bad movie. He's, and no matter what he's in, he's good. He's like, awesome. If the movie's bad, he's still good. Yeah. Like, he always, like, brings it, he brings a certain flair to it. You know, you always know it's Kurt Russell. Yeah. <laughs> I think, aside from that, obviously the thing is one of those movies, it's legendary, it's iconic, everyone knows it, everyone knows scenes from it. And I think you're right, the thing that makes it stand apart from a lot of other, like, monster movies is you never know. Even at the end, people are, like still have the discussion like, is he, is he not? Like throughout the whole film, you never know who the thing is. No, nope, even, you're right, at the very end, we're still left up in the air. Now, I've always had a theory, I know who, if like one of them is the thing, because I think it's a dead giveaway, but I've heard people debate me on it. Well, I think, isn't there one where like he's breathing and there's no Pete cold David air? isn't, uh, doesn't have any cold air coming out, it has no breath coming out of him, while when you cut back to Kurt Russell, it's a lot of breath. So I think that's a dead giveaway if Kurt, okay. it's like, you know, we're just cutting between the two of them and Kurt Russell's breathing and you can see all his uh, breath, but you can't see the breath of Keith David. Yeah. To me, I think it's obvious, but I've had people debate me on it so and that's what i mean that's what it, this movie does and that's why i think it's a masterclass in film and really in storytelling there it's almost like there is no right answer and mm -hmm. that's really hard to pull off without pissing people off and i think this one people don't get mad at it they're invested in figuring it out yeah the whole movie you're trying to figure it out so yeah. i think that even at the end you know we shouldn't get the answer completely yeah. it should be really open to interpretation agreed so what is your number uno my number one fangirling here is a Friday the 13th, the original. So this one, wow, really the original. But this wasn't your number one Friday the 13th. Oh, that's because you picked a lot in the uh, late uh, 90s and 2000s. So, yeah. yeah, okay. Friday, well, this is a pun for me earlier with Jason Lives, but really, the original Friday the 13th, you like this movie that much. So here's the thing. It's not necessarily that I'm picking it because I like it more than any other Friday the 13th. Same reason I picked the original Nightmare and not like Dream Warriors or anything else. I went with my gut, which is I have to honor the original because without it, we don't have Jason Lives. We don't have Dream Warriors. We don't have any of the sequels that came. So while Friday the 13th, the original might not be the best or even the top five all time Friday the 13th, it is what started it all. You know, I appreciate you giving the credit to the historical significance of Friday the 13th because it really is a very, very important film. Like, even though I say it all the time, and I obviously I picked Jason Lives as my favorite one and made my list, you know, I think that really is where they got the formula right, mm -hmm. and then they shit on it with the new blood, <laughs> but I really think they mastered it there, but you're 100% right. Without 1980's Friday the 13th, and it being a success, yes. we would have never even got Jason Lives. So I respect your decision to put that at number one. And yeah. it's a classic. I, I mean, I don't love it, but I agree. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It might not be the best, doesn't even have Jason, the acting might be bad. Whatever you want to say about it not being the best one in the series, I get it. But without it, we don't have Jason the rest of the way. Because if it flops and makes no money and it was widely destroyed... You know, we might out? not have even ended up with, like, you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street if, like, the slasher genre wasn't banging out, like, what they were doing in the early 80s. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, I had to go with this one, but you had Jason Lives, so yeah. talk about that. Well, Jason Lives, like, I've talked about it on the channel numerous times. I just think that they had the perfect formula for Jason in this movie. Like, now we're bringing Jason back to life. It's zombie Jason. The first time we ever get, like, big medicine Jameis. Not as much as, like, Kane Hodler in the next movie. Yeah. Uh, and actually, it's funny because I read this this week. You might be interested about it. But, like, the, the Jason Lives actor wanted to come back. 
for uh, the new blood. Okay. And the studio said, no, we want Kane Hodder because they saw him in something else. And the guy was really upset because he's like, I thought that that was going to be my big role, like Boris Karloff, with, uh, Boris Karloff like with Frankenstein. Frank, yeah. So he was like really upset about it, but he's like, they made the right choice. I couldn't do what Kane Hodder did. Yeah. So like, I, I thought that that was really interesting. But you know, in this movie, he does do a good job, but I really love the music choices with Alice Cooper. The kills are great. You know, it's a funny movie. Like, it's a very, yeah. like, you, you probably guys have all noticed. I love 80s cheese. So when they start to like, you know, lean into that, I'm usually on board. Yeah. <laughs> you love your brie. No, this is not brie. This isn't a classy cheese. <laughs> this is definitely, it's not Kraft Singles. Nothing is that shitty. <laughs> but this is just like regular old American cheese. All right, that's fair. <laughs> so but, that, that brings us to uh, your number one. This guy is so stupid. He doesn't even know what he's doing with his camera. I can't even. This is unprofessional. You're an ugly bitch. Wow. All right, my number one is Poltergeist. Alright, so that was a punt from before I added at number four. Yeah, this is my favorite. Uh, I've said it here on the channel, only two movies in my entire life have ever scared the ever-loving shit out of me. And one of them was Poltergeist. And just because of that special feeling alone and the Spielberg magic combined with Toby Hooper. and There's a whole podcast out actually now with me and David, a.k.a. Shamrock Balls, that you can watch where we talk about Poltergeist. Because this is just, for me magical movie it goes back and forth if this is my number one or my number two horror film of all time oh. now it's not that gory it's yeah. very much like a family horror film yeah but the sense of dread and i just love the acting the score that like americana family there and it's very similar to et made at the same exact time as et okay you know steven spielberg's rumored to direct it i always kind of believed he did based yeah. on what i'm seeing on screen here doesn't feel like the guy who made the texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that, but you know what? That's a story for another day. Either way, just a fantastic film with some good scares that builds up to a great conclu conclusion with some good special effects mixed in, and I have to put it at number one. I respect it. I definitely understand why it's number one. It's on my list pretty high as well. Um, it was scary, and you know, I think there's also the lore behind it, right? Don't they? There's all the rumors about like using real skeletons. Yeah, yeah. using the real skeletons. People died. And yeah, you know. like didn't the little girl actor die not too long after? She died during the filming of the third one. Yeah, she died of uh, bowel obstruction, essentially. Uh, you know, just kill her. They uh, doctors missed it, so that killed her. The the first daughter in this movie, uh, she died very shortly after this movie was made. She was killed by her her boyfriend in her oh, driveway. She was Jesus. murdered. And then the guy in the second one, the old man, was dying of cancer while they were making that movie, which I think kind of helped his look. Yeah. But then he ended up dying as well. So there's always that, you know, this is a cursed film, you know, you're dealing with death. Yeah. So it's like you're testing your fate kind of yeah. deal. But, yeah. you know. So there's a lot of lore behind it as well. I think like you said, though, I would believe the rumors that it wasn't directed by... <laughs> it doesn't feel like a Toby Hooper movie. No. Like, the year before this, and it's supposedly this is what made Steven Spielberg hire him, is uh, the movie The Fun House. Now, I've watched The Fun House. I own The Fun House. Yeah. Still doesn't feel like Poltergeist. This, from all accounts, this was Steven Spielberg's story... Steven Spielberg, you know, did all the storyboarding for the movie. He put everybody in place. He hired all the actors. But he let Toby Hooper basically call action, call cut, because of his universal contract for E.T. where he wasn't allowed to direct another film at the same time. I would believe it. I yeah. definitely would. I think that would be like a favor to Toby Hooper because it's like, yeah, well, here you go. They said that, like, people on the set, like, well, Toby Hooper was just happy to be there just in the sense that he's in the studio system now and yeah. get him more work because, you know, up to that point, he was really just an indie director. You yeah. Know, kind of, you know, so get yeah. in the studio system, you get a, you know, hey, just work with Spielberg. You yeah. Know, he'll take you places. And he did, so. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect to Toby Hooper. I no. mean, obviously the things he's done um, are legendary and iconic in their own right. Toby Hooper also directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, the best one in that franchise. Oh, Jesus. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> um, but I definitely get it. Poltergeist being your number one, I think 
great film overall, and still to this day, it, it's one that if you watch, I think you'll you'll be a little scared. Yeah, I think so. So that's gonna do it for our top 10 80s films, well, top 10 80s horror films. If you like this video, don't forget to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We also have channel memberships now. I wanna thank my producers and possible directors. We're recording this ahead of time, so I don't know who's the producer and director at this very moment. So thank you to all of you for supporting the channel. And just if you're, after you're done doing all that, liking the video, subscribing to the channel, make sure you get out in those streets, tell your friends about us. We'll see you around.